Let us pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you that we could gather. Pray that you would be here. That as we dig into your ancient text, the distractions would pass and we would feel your presence in this place. That your Holy Spirit would speak to us a fresh word that would bring us the message you long for us to hear. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So for the last several weeks, we've been talking about a sermon series beyond the basics in a Christianity 201, if you will. What is the next step? And we've talked about living a life of prayer and a life of presence and a life of service and a life of generosity. Today we talk about a life of witness. Next week we move into a new series for Advent where we will go through the theology and meaning of hymns uh, and what they mean back when they were written and what they mean for us today and what they're teaching us about the nature of Jesus and the nature of Christianity and how that all works out. Next week I'll talk about O Come All Ye Faithful, but then... On December the 9th, we'll keep that theme and we'll be talking about a way in a manger. But one thing I learned in all of this sermon prep for this is that it's not just the words that have the meaning. You know those little lines with little dots and the circles and the, the hashtags all over them? They're notes. And they mean things too. The things I don't read. The things you don't read. The things I don't understand. It's all Latin to me. But it turns out when you're singing and the note does this and then goes back to this, that spot right there, that word, it adds to that meaning and it makes things that mean something different now. So what does that look like? And I'm actually going to be doing team preaching with this. I wanted an expert in the field and the best person I could possibly find, but Dr. Scott wasn't available, so we got Chase. <laughs> It hits harder the second time, yeah. <laughs> um, so Chase and I will actually be team preaching this series starting on the 9th, uh, where he'll talk about the music, and he'll use words like pentatonic and harmonic resonance that I don't understand, but really what it comes down to is that the whole world is singing out the praises of God. And we're going to keep that going through Advent and into Christmas Eve, where we learn about go tell it on the mountain and what that means for us. The 23rd, though, I have a treat for you. I'm not preaching. In fact, it will be our ugly sweater service, where you wear your ugliest Christmas sweaters. And some of you have dressed up early. <laughs> what? I didn't say you. <laughs> I have no comment. <laughs> hey, I'm just impressed he's wearing it. <laughs> they do. They do. Now, what this means on the ugly sweater service is it's a hymn sing, and you show up and you shout out your favorite hymn number. And we sing it. And it doesn't matter if it's played well. We sing it. 
<laughs> Just being honest. But if you wear a sweater to church that day, we will all assume you mean for it to be an ugly sweater. So if you wear a really nice sweater, we're still going to call it an ugly sweater. Can I introduce you to the guy sitting next to you? <laughs> anyway, today though, we are talking about witness and as a basic function of Christianity to share our witness with those around us. Now, we talk about this and say, oh, you're supposed to go witness to people, or we're supposed to witness to them about the good news of Jesus. But this can oftentimes get a bad rap and can sound, especially to those who aren't familiar with the language of Christianity, witnessing can sound like a horrible thing. It, it brings to mind images of people standing on the street corner passing out tracks. Or Halloween when you go trick-or-treating and you knock on the door and they put those little tracks in your bag. This is not effective or good. Or it's, it, it's the guy with the bullhorn telling you to choose Jesus before you spend eternity like KFC's extra crispy chicken. And I say guys because it's always men. I don't understand why this happens. I've never seen a woman standing out there handing out tracks or screaming in a bullhorn. I was in New York City over the summer, and we were in Times Square, and there's a guy standing there with a protest sign. Again, they were all guys. He's standing there with this protest sign that says, turn back to God before you burn. There's another guy standing next to him with a sign that says, God hates Broadway. There was a third one. Satan created musicals. Only some of them. Only some of them. <laughs> and I'm like, this doesn't make me want, this is, no, this is not how it works. And I think the worst, the worst form of witnessing I've ever seen was when I was in seminary. I would drive down every day for class and, and my seminary is across from what is now the Obama Charter School. At the time, it was the Peabody High School. And it was in one of the roughest areas of Pittsburgh that's now seen a lot of transformation. But it, two blocks from my seminary was an abortion clinic. And it was, it was a free abortion clinic, and this is what they did. And some mornings outside of the abortion clinic were men, again, all men, standing there with signs that say abortion is murder. Jesus hates your choice. They're screaming four-letter obscenities followed by in the name of Jesus. Now, I am a pro-life person, and we are United Methodist, which is a pro-life denomination. But there's got to be a better way to tell people about Jesus. If I am a woman who feels no other option than to go to a free abortion clinic in one of the most difficult areas of Pittsburgh, and you are standing there screaming at me about how I'm killing people and how I should be ashamed of myself, there is nothing you're going to say that's going to make me turn to Jesus. 
until you start lining up at the adoption center, nothing you say standing there is going to make me want to learn about Jesus. It doesn't work that way. And so we hear this term witness, and we go, oh, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to stand there on that street corner and, and hand out those tracts. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to do that. Ooh, that's scary. So what do we do? If we say that witness and witnessing is a part of who we are as Christians, but we're saying that that kind of stuff isn't it, what do we do? If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16. It's Matthew chapter 28. In verse 16 it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and spoke to them, saying, I have received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. So Jesus is commanding his disciples and saying, you need to go outside of here and teach people everything I've taught you. Baptize them. And when you do this, when you teach them and when you baptize them, I am with you every single step of the way. So what does that have to do with witnessing? Notice what he says. Go and teach them everything I taught you. Everything I told you, everything I commanded you, you go and teach them. Go teach to the ones who weren't there. This is what a witness does. If you've ever been in a court proceeding, or you've ever watched court dramas like Law and Order or whatever on TV, the witness has one job. To tell what they saw to those who weren't there. They're not the prosecutor, they're not the defense, and for goodness sake, they aren't the judge. We got, we got enough of them. The witnesses aren't the judge. But they tell of what they saw to those who haven't heard. To those who don't know, to the ones who haven't experienced it, they tell what they saw. It's like this, though. Because you can't do this. You can't take the three years of Jesus' ministry and shorten it into a pamphlet. That, that doesn't work. You can't take all of the miracles that Jesus did and condense it down into a t-shirt or to a bullhorn message. You can't take the fullness of God's grace and condense it to 280 characters on Twitter. It doesn't work that way. Instead, it has to be bigger. At the end of the Gospel of John, John writes, this is only some of what happened. If I were to write down everything, there aren't enough books in the world to contain it. So we can't possibly boil it down. Instead, it's got to be bigger. It's got to be 
a simple message communicated throughout our lives, throughout our day-to-day comings and goings and our walking around. It's got to look like we follow Jesus, not just on Sunday at 11 for an hour, or Monday afternoon. It's got to look like we follow Jesus when the Steelers come on. <laughs> Do you represent Jesus while the Steelers are on? As long as we don't smash the TV. As long as you don't smash the TV, yes. As long as your words are more than four letters, yes. Okay, okay. It's, it's got to look like everything we're doing. One day, these two professional ballet dancers, a man and a woman, they stepped out on stage to a packed house, and for two hours they danced. He would lift her and throw her and catch her, and it looked effortless. And it was beautiful, and it was stunning. And at the end of two hours, drenched in sweat, they took their bows, and they walked off stage to an audience that was so stunned they could do nothing but give a standing ovation and clap. One journalist was there, and, and, and they wrote, the world is not ready for this. It was the most beautiful thing we have ever seen. Later that day, the two dancers came out for a press conference, and a well-meaning journalist stood up and said, could you, in one sentence, sum up what your dance means? And that ballerina, she lost all decorum, absolutely infuriated by this question. And she said, if I could sum it up in a sentence, I wouldn't need to dance. When we talk about witnessing, we are talking about dancing. We're not talking about one second, one sentence, sound bites and cliches. It becomes a dance of the divine in every aspect of our lives. Too often we boiled Christianity down into cheesy t-shirts and Jesus is my co-pilot bumper stickers, which is really bad theology. Jesus isn't the co-pilot. Let's not do that. We turn it into happy sayings and greeting cards. We miss the divine dance that we are called to. Now, this divine dance is how we live our day-to-day lives. That goes beyond those one-second sound bites, goes beyond the bumper stickers and the cliches, and is every part of our life. Reflecting that, that we know to be most true. That Jesus Christ is Lord. That God raised him from the dead. And it's in there, when we dance, when we live that way, that the people watching are stunned. They want to know more. They want to see it. Okay, I I need more of this. Tell me more. Show me more. Now, it is by no means perfect. But those imperfections, most of the time, aren't even noticeable. And even when they are, it becomes about how we recover. Last week, you heard Olivia play, Jesus Loves Me. Afterwards, 
Olivia, it was wonderful. It was beautiful. She says, but dad, I messed up this part. I hit the wrong key with this finger. I didn't notice. And you know why? Because I don't know how to play the piano. (laughs) That dance, that performance, you ask any performer, They will, they, if they're being honest with you, they will tell you that they made a mistake, that it was imperfect. But to those of us who don't know, it looks flawless. Effortless. effortless. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. You were late this morning. I, I, need to, I will dock your pay some more. I was five minutes early. Oh. Which is ten minutes late. <laughs> it looks effortless. When the ballerina falls, she doesn't stay there and cry. She gets up and finishes that dance on a broken ankle. Because that's what you do. In witnessing, we are going to get it wrong. We are going to mess up. But in that dance, to those who haven't seen it, they ask questions like, How did you keep going when everything was a mess? You broke your ankle and you're still dancing. You're still smiling after what the doctor told you? How is that possible? Here's the thing about dancing, though. Dancing is not for other people who know how to dance. If you have surrounded yourself with only people who are already professional dancers, that's called rehearsal. That's practice. This divine dance that God has called us to is to be around people who don't know how to dance, who haven't seen, who haven't experienced what you have experienced. When Jesus says, therefore, go, he's not saying to insulate ourselves with nothing but other Christians. He's saying to go and live our lives with those who haven't seen and who haven't heard. To put some tangibles on this, the question becomes, who is it that we know, that we love about, that we love and we care about, that have not yet heard of Jesus? Our kids, our parents, our spouses, our coworkers, our neighbors. Those are who we should be around, that we should interact with, that when they see us following Jesus, they want to know more. They don't want the 10-second sound bite and go, yeah, that's not worth my time. I'm not stopping. Nobody takes those little tracks on the side of the street and goes, oh, this is wonderful. Maybe they do. I don't know. Most of the time, though, they end up in the garbage. Totally ineffective. But the life lived out in the fullness of following Christ This divine dance calls people to want to know more. To want to know what is really going on. There's an improv comedy group called Improv Anywhere. Improv Everywhere, excuse me. They uh, do flash mob comedy. If you've never seen this, you can find the videos on YouTube, but there's one where... They are all, there's a hundred of them. They are all dressed the same. They go to New York's Grand Central Station, one of the busiest places in the world, 
And when the clock hits the exact right time, they stop moving. And they all stand there. And everybody else is like, what, what, what's happening? And then the clock moves, and they start going again like nothing ever happened. And they disappear into the crowd, and you have no idea. And you're left standing there going, what was that? What was that? This is what witnessing is. Where people see who we are and how we are and go, what? I want more of that. It's not having all the answers. It's not knowing everything and having every verse memorized. It's not about having the perfect theology. It's about knowing what we have seen and being able to tell other people and to show other people about it. Let me show you this video here, and there is sound to it, if it works. Yes. Jesus Fan Club Mug, $13. Testament, 50 cents. WWJD Bracelet, $4. Trendy Tea, $15. The Perfectly Placed Ictus on Your Car, of a Christian? Worthless. The divine dance of who we are goes beyond simply having the trendy Jesus t-shirts, beyond the bumper stickers, beyond showing up on Sunday morning, and goes to how we dance how we live our day-to-day -day lives in such a way that people go, I need to know more about that. Tell me more about this Jesus that you believe in. Now, there's one more piece to all of this. This idea that we've been talking about with prayer and presence and service and witness and gifts. Prayer, presence, gifts, service, and witness. These are our membership vows. If you are United Methodist, you have promised at some point in your life that you will do all of those things. That you will do them to the best of your ability. And we have today the opportunity to invite a new member to join us. So I'm going to pray and we're going to welcome in a new person who will stand up here and promise to do all of those things just as those of you who are members have done. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that we could be here. We thank you that you have called us as your witnesses. We pray that we may tell of your great works, that we may live as a divine dance that brings glory to you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I will invite Alyssa to come down.